Tonight, just for a few minutes, I want to go over the familiar Christmas story with you in the Gospel of Luke. I had my faith challenged this week. I went to the mall. <laughs> and just getting a parking space, you know, you have to be like a stalker. You got to follow the people real close and hope. You know, and then there's a car on the other side, and you're like, I am. Make sure who's going to go for it first. It's like a war zone. And Christmas is sort of a, a test of one's Christianity. The message of peace and joy and happiness certainly is part of the season, but this is a time when people get stressed out big time. The old familiar story read every year in so many homes, "'Twas the night before Christmas." Somebody handed me this take on it. It's called Santa's Dilemma. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and Santa's a wreck how to live in a world that's politically correct. His workers no longer answer to elves, vertically challenged they were calling themselves. And people had started to call for the cops when they heard the sled noises upon their rooftops. And as for the gifts, why, he never had a notion that making a choice could cause such commotion. Nothing of leather, nothing of fur, which meant nothing for him and nothing for her. Nothing that might be construed to pollute, nothing to aim, nothing to shoot, nothing that clamored or made lots of noise, nothing just for girls or just for the boys. Nothing that claimed to be gender-specific, nothing that's warlike or looks non-pacific. No baseball, no football, someone could get hurt. Besides, playing sports expose kids to dirt. Dolls were said to be sexist and should be passe, and Xbox would just rot your brain all away. So Santa just stood there, disheveled, perplexed. He just could not figure out what to do next. He tried to be merry, tried to be gay, but you got to be careful with that word today. <laughs> His sack was quite empty, limp to the ground. Nothing acceptable was to be found. Something special was needed, a gift that he might give to all without angering the left or the right. Every ethnicity, every hue, everyone everywhere, and yes, even you. So here is that gift, its price beyond worth. May you and your loved ones enjoy peace on earth. So many times during this season, peace on earth is the celebrated theme. Peace, joy, happiness. But how much real peace do you see at Christmas when you look into those faces of the other shoppers at the mall? When you're on the freeway in gridlock toward the mall, how much genuine peace do you see? And if you notice that every year Christmas gets a little quicker, it comes sooner in the year. They start bringing out the lights like in summertime now. There is, during this time, a real challenge to our joy, as there was 2,000 years ago, to the joy that Mary and Joseph were to experience. Here's the story. It's in Luke chapter 2, the first few verses. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, the census 
first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. We have read that story, and we have heard it every year, and we've always wondered what is up with that innkeeper anyway. You got a pregnant lady outside, why not give her a room? I mean, come on. And every year it seems that that poor innkeeper is vilified. He's the enemy. He never let her in. And we don't know what the prevailing reasons were. But that kind of reception, no room in the end, became sort of a prophecy of how Jesus would be treated by the world in general. How many times people will say, yeah, I know, I, I should make room for God, but you don't know my life. It's so stressful and so busy. I got so much on my plate. I know I ought to come to church. I know I ought to be in fellowship, but I'm a busy person. No room in the inn. Well, the story goes on. Not only the challenge to joy, but a call to joy. For it says, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, have you noticed that whenever angels show up, they all have the same opening line? Fear not. You know why that is. Because everybody who sees an angel is absolutely petrified. That's why. And you can understand if it suddenly dawns on you, that's an angel speaking to me. You're going to be shaken in your boots. And so we read that throughout the scripture. The angels show up and they have to say, now settle down. Fear not. That's part of the Christmas message. In a world so filled with fear, what is going to happen this next year? What's going to happen this next month? To hear those words from heaven, fear not. In fact, I would say that Christmas has a twofold message. Fear not and have joy. That's the message of the angels. Don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. Ray Stedman wrote these words. The chief mark of the Christian ought to be the absence of fear and the presence of joy. The description of a Christian is one who is completely fearless, continually cheerful, and constantly in trouble. And you will be if you fulfill the first two. It is that presence of joy 
And that absence of fear that marks a genuine Christian and proves we are really what we claim to be. Somebody once pointed out that if you were to take all of the fear nots of the Bible or all the times it says don't be afraid or don't be fearful or all of the derivations thereof where we are commanded to not engage in fear, that the Bible mentions that 365 times. There's one promise for every day of the year. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be fearful. Don't be filled with anxiety. So you might say Christmas is in part to take away fear and to replace it with joy. Well, here's the cause of joy. I just read it in verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, Lord. Those are three facets of his personality. First and foremost, Jesus is a Savior. You see, that little baby grew up, folks. It didn't stay a little baby year after year after year. He grew up. And when he grew up, he became dangerous in the minds of the establishment. The little baby grew up and said things like, You must be born again. That little baby grew up and said things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I and I alone. No one comes to the Father except through me. That little baby came to be a Savior. That's what the angel said to Mary. Call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. That's why he came to die on a cross. He came to suffer all of the penalty of my sin and your sin to save us from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and ultimately one day, the presence of sin. Then he came to be Christ, Savior, who is Christ. It's the Hebrew Mashiach, the Anointed One, the Deliverer. Then to be the Lord, the Master, to walk with you throughout your life, to walk every step of the painful journey, and to welcome you into heaven when it's all done. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's a great story in the Bible of two guys who had every reason to not be joyful. One was named Paul and his buddy was named Silas. The Bible tells us in Acts 16 that they were in prison because they preached salvation through this child who grew up to be Savior. So there they were in chains in a prison. And the Bible says, And at midnight, darkest time of the night, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners listened. It's a very important word, they listened. It really means to listen with great intent, to perk up your ears and listen with delight. See, they're hearing Paul and Silas, two people incarcerated in chains, and they're thinking, they're singing in the middle of the night. They've just been beaten up. They have blood around their wrists from the chains that they bear. And they're singing. Either they're nuts or they're onto something. They've got a secret that I don't have. And it was that same Apostle Paul who wrote while he was facing another persecution in Rome, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. 
You know, having joy, genuine joy as a Christian, is the most powerful magnetic force you can have for an unbeliever. See, if you're always looking like this, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I could tell. (laughs) There's nothing to attract people. Friedrich Nietzsche, who was the famous German atheist slash philosopher, once said to a Christian, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you got to look a lot more redeemed. (laughs) That makes sense, doesn't it? Question, do you look redeemed? Is it evident when people see you? That person's on to something. There's a settledness about them. There's a real peace. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, I would have entered the ministry except all the preachers I know look and act so much like undertakers that I just couldn't do it. Robert Louis Stevenson wrote in his journal one day, I went to church today and I didn't get depressed. As if incredulous. Who wrote those rules? Certainly not God. God came into this world to take away sin, to take away fear, and to replace it with joy that comes from salvation. A little boy on Christmas Eve went into a pet store with his father. You see, his dad said, son, you can pick out any puppy you'd like. I'm going to give it to you for Christmas. So wouldn't you know, that little boy wanted to look at every single dog, every single puppy in the front room, in the back room, in the window. And he finally said, Daddy, I want that one. And wouldn't you know, it was the dog wagging its tail ferociously. He said, Daddy, I want the one with the happy ending. (laughs) You know, we all do, don't we? If you were to pick out what life you want, you would say, I want the life with the happy ending. Did you know that Jesus Christ came into this world to give your life a happy ending, as well as happiness all the way to the end? But the joy isn't in the celebration of Christmas. The joy is truly in the relationship with Christ, this child who is the Savior, Christ the Lord. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. And let's, as we do, think about our lives. And as you're thinking about your life with me, you may want to ask yourself, well, if it is Jesus' birthday, what am I giving to Jesus? And I'll tell you, the only thing he wants is you. It's all he wants. I mean, what are you going to give God? What do you give to the God who has everything? You give him you. If you haven't turned your life over to him to receive him as Savior, tonight is the night to do it. So, Lord, here we are. You see us. We're sitting here. But more than that, you see our hearts. You know the reason we're here. You know the motive that brought us here. You know our level of interest or not. You know what we live like. You know where our priorities lie, what's most important to us. And some of us would have to honestly say that up to this point, you haven't been all that important. You've been there. We've acknowledged you. But maybe we either made a commitment to you years ago and then just forgot about you, or maybe we have never allowed you to really grip our lives. And so tonight, under your watchful eye on this Christmas Eve, we can't think of a better time or place 
to come back to you or to make Jesus our Lord for the first time than tonight. And as we're praying, if you're here tonight and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Messiah, your Lord, it has to be personal. If you're willing to do that, then I'd like, as we're praying, for you just to raise your hand up in the air so that I can see your hand. And I'm going to pray for you as we close. Raise it up. God bless you. Right over here to my right. Anybody else? Raise that hand up. Right over here. On the right again. In the middle. Put those hands up. Way back there. That's right. I see you guys. Who else? Up in the balcony. A couple of you right over here to my right. In the back. I see you guys. God bless you. Lord, it's wonderful. We, we are hearing and seeing this. But attached to those arms are hearts. And what's really exciting is that that heart, that core of those persons is about to be cleansed, changed, and have joy be brought into their lives forever. We're so thankful to be here singing and witnessing this and hearing this old, familiar, yet fresh story of how that you stepped out of heaven and came to this earth to save us. Lord, take these lives and transform them and bring them your joy. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.